All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. And this is Granny with Mop Pop Fishing we have here. Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today we actually have a special guest, another guest, Mr. Okay, I don't want to butcher this, all right, because I asked him like about literally <laughs> three minutes before, but Matt Vavrock, correct? Yep, that is perfect. Nice work. Awesome. And he's actually, he has a YouTube channel called Matt, uh, Matt Vavrock Fishing. Pretty damn simple. So um, I, yep. I highly recommend everybody go check it out. And the reason being because he catches a lot of fish that I don't get to catch, which are muskies. So I, I've, that's my uh, unicorn. I haven't caught one. Kit actually caught one. Was it last week? Or, yeah, it was last uh, week. Yes, I've, I've never caught a muskie until last week. Yeah. But it doesn't count because I snagged it in the tail. Ah, well, yeah. well, closer to me, man. So, but anyways, <laughs> uh, it, it, everybody's listening, watching, definitely go check out Matt's uh, channel out. I was watching several of his episodes. It's pretty darn cool because he get, he's catching fish. Like I said, he's a unicorn to me. So it's kind of <laughs> interesting. So that's why we have him on here. Cause I'm going to pick your brain and find out how the hell you do that today. So um, please do. I'm, I'm not going to guarantee that I'm an expert by any means. I don't think there's actually such a thing as an expert in musky fishing. I just think some guys are a little bit crazier than others and <laughs> just spend more time out there than other people do. Yeah, I hear you. So um, we're going to drink some beer because we normally do when it's things called Beer Fish Fanatic. So um, today, I don't know if anybody heard our previous episode. Uh, we actually, if you haven't, go back and check it out. We actually had Bruno um brutal with beer actually he's uh part of you know el bait shop uh he's part of pretty much the lucky horse downtown um in, or actually near drake and stuff so but he was actually nice enough to donate some beer to us from carol brewery as everybody can see here yep hey i'm drinking the same one what we we did not plan this by the yeah. way uh but yeah i know definitely shout out to bruno on that and carol brewery we're gonna try this out i haven't had this one yet uh thank you so much because uh i love beer and i love ipa so i'm gonna drink the ipa on this one so just give everybody a heads up seven percent alcohol and carol iowa what is it uh north e west of us right? east northwest northwest i think yeah northwest of the of central iowa so if anybody's wondering check them out also like i say go check out uh el bait shop downtown and also the oh i went to the lucky horse today by the way kit and um you gotta go good beer good drinks good food so yeah, it's once up. once everything calms down, I kind of want to hit all those yeah. all those places up that Bruno mm -hmm. that Bruno it. has his fingers in. He's kind of right. Basically, <laughs> if it's like if there's beer and food that food involved, <laughs> he's kind of you know he's probably in some way part of it. Yeah. So it you know what like I said, thank you so much. We're gonna try this beer and uh, like I was telling Matt before we uh, we started you know got on here. Um, if the beer sucks, I'm gonna let them know, and the beer's good, I'm gonna let them know. So either or, um, I will let you guys know on that. What are you drinking today, uh, Matt? Um, I've got uh, Pretty Persuasion by Adventurous Brewing. Uh, one of my good friends is one of uh, the guys that heads up Adventurous over mm -hmm. in the Davenport Bentendorf area. Uh, great stuff. This is actually a milkshake IPA oh. uh, with with some like uh, blood orange in there. It's fantastic. Man. Mm. You're gonna have to send me some or tell him to send us some. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll put a plug out for it because I want to taste that. Right. That does sound damn, damn it's, good, man. It's fantastic. All right, we're gonna have to try that out. So, um, cheers, cheers, gentlemen, and uh, uh, fishing kit went to go get a cup. Or after our conversation with uh, Bruno, he actually went to go get a cup because we're supposed to drink <laughs> yeah. craft beer out of a cup so you can in, embrace the uh, the fragrance of the beer. So, cheers, guys. Yeah, I'm a I'm a true beer cheers. snob now. Okay, Carol's Brewing, it's good. <laughs> I'm not it's saying an IPA, by the way. Yeah, I'm not but. saying it because you guys donated it to us. I'm saying because it it's actually really damn good. It is pretty good. It's like it's pretty mild for an IPA yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, actually, this is one of the uh, like a straight IPA is one of the more milder ones. It's not like you don't have that ah, that bitter bitter taste at the end. Well, know. it's mild for a guy that drinks IPAs all the time. <laughs> i guess man but um all right let me put that down hopefully you guys are hitting up some of the decora beer with if you like the ipas galaxy uh pseudo sue all that good stuff well you got a can right here yeah, look at this guy <laughs> he, he was just waiting for you to say something like that that's like uh, uh i'm sure that's his uh 
what favorite beer of all time i guess right now it's my favorite and it's it's been my favorite for a while actually can't go wrong with top and goliath man i uh, definitely agree with you on that one so uh but like i say i mean uh we brought matt here because you know I, i'm 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 excited man i want i want to learn a little bit more we'll jump into it i mean you you live in you know east of us east so just everybody kind of gets a heads up about an hour away from us maybe or a little bit less yeah yeah a little uh, right around an hour right in between Iowa City and Des Moines for the most part. It's it's kind of the middle of everywhere, but the middle of nowhere at the same time. So <laughs> just a small town. My question is, number one, if you live that close to me, is there a lot of musky over there? And, and then number two, what would you say is like your your process and your game plan to, to target these muskies? Um, I guess that just kind of depends on the day um, and the time of year, everything. It's just, it's no different than patterning bass. It's just the difference is, a lower density. Um, I'm not going to say that they're always in the same spots as bass, but they're a predator fish that's always going to be looking for uh, looking for bait fish, looking for its next meal, and they're driven by that meal for the most part. And where that meal usually comes from totally depends upon uh, what time of year it is. And they relate to different types of cover or can relate to different types of cover depending upon that time of year, water temperature all those variables. Hmm. Mainly the the two lakes that I fish around this area would be like McBride and then Pleasant Creek up by uh, Palo. Yeah, um, I fished that once before. I've heard there's big wipers in there, kid. I don't really fish for them, but I've heard of some 28 inchers coming out of there recently. Whoa, I'm wow. not sure if those reports are verified or not, but I was told at the boat ramp about that the other day. So Let, Let's go find out. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, those are the two main ones that I fish. Um, I fish Brushy Creek uh, in the Chapter 55 Muskies Inc. and like the, the chapter challenge that they do every fall uh, with all the Iowa chapters. So it'd be like the, the Clear Lake chapter um, and then the Iowa Great Lakes chapter and then the Mid-Iowa Muskies chapter. Tough fishing that day though. <laughs> Man, there's, there's not a lot of muskie uh, people in Iowa is there um I think there's more than people realize yeah. but I think we kind of run into the the Minnesota situation too and this isn't like to knock on the Iowa DNR by any means but there's you know there's a lot of people that are passionate about it and there's just not a ton of lakes that have them in there and I realize too there's other variables like uh for example the the types of spillways and stuff will dictate where they put where the DNR puts the muskies because if their fish loss is going to be too great, it doesn't make any sense to invest the money in those fish to put them in those bodies of water, just to have them washed over the spillway. Mm. Speaking of which, you guys in Des Moines should be encountering some muskies in the Des Moines River probably sometime soon because they've been putting a ton in Sailorville Lake, I saw in the stocking reports, and I'm guessing that a lot of those are going to get sucked down through there. So when they stock keep them, an eye out. How, how big are they when they stock them? Uh, the ones in Sailorville aren't that big. So I don't know if those are just like, uh, extras that they're having. Cause they're only like four to five inches on the stocking reports, but, um, mm -hmm. the ones that they stock in the lakes that are meant to have them, uh, are usually around 10 to 13 inches. Uh, they, a lot of the studies throughout history, throughout DNRs, taking a look at the mortality of fish as they have been stocked find that if they're stocked in that 10 to 13 inch range, the mortality is, is much, much lower and you get a lot more bang for your buck stocking those like uh, not fingerling size, but fingerling for a musky size fish, I guess you could say versus mm -hmm. just throwing fry in. Yeah. They stock up a lot up at big Creek and they got that fish barrier up there mm -hmm. and they're putting, they're putting in a fish barrier up at brushy too. Right. I don't know if they're yeah. done done with that yet or not. Um, I'm not sure if they're done with it. The lake was the lake was down when I was there uh, mm -hmm. two weeks ago, and it made things kind of difficult. Um, yeah, so it was like ten guys out there, and I lost uh, probably a forty to forty two incher right at the boat, and that was the only bite out of all those good sticks that anyone got the whole day. And it was it was tough fishing, tough tough for musky fishing, especially when you got that many guys who know the water that well. I didn't. I didn't know the uh, body water that well, but shout out to my buddy Grant. He uh, he knew some stuff, so we just kind of went off of what he knew about the lake, and we were able to find one that wanted to cooperate. We just drew a, drew the short end of the stick when it came to putting it in the net, I guess, which happens. Have, have you ever tried tried uh, Big Creek or thought about trying it? Uh, I've thought about it. I, I fished it for bass a long time ago when I was younger. I have a couple buddies that fish it out there, and I know... I know big fish come out of there, but I know that they 
don't come out of there often. So <laughs> that's, that's my experience. And if I'm going to drive an hour and a half to fish for fish that don't want to bite, I want to fish a lake that's got a little more density than that. At least I'll leave it to the guys that live close to you. And it's a 20 minute drive for them. And if they want to go burn four hours, it's easy for them to do it there. Whereas right. for me, uh, yeah, I've got other options, I guess that <laughs> I usually explore <laughs> around these parts. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't want to, I agree with you, man. I don't want to drive an hour and a half, two hours <laughs> to, 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 to catch nothing. And then just, yeah, no, I feel you, man. I, I mean, I, I get, it. um, what actually, when's the best time to, to target musky like season wise? Cause, um, I don't know. I mean, okay. okay it's a fish of, well, what is it? 10,000 cash, right? Yeah. That's what they say. And so, sometimes, so I want to know what season <laughs> do I, what season do I throw those damn 10,000 casts to try to catch it? Um, that's a good question. And I think, so two things there, it really just, one of the most frustrating things about musky fishing is they don't have to be the fish of 10,000 casts. And like knowing that they don't always have to be the fish of 10,000 casts is what makes them incredibly frustrating because mm -hmm. there's times like this summer, for example, I went out one time and I was fishing a, a weed line on a break, caught one, 10 minutes later, caught another one. And it's like, boom, boom. And then my wife and I went out that night and caught two more, but then I go, you know, four days without catching a fish. And mm. it's just kind of the name of the game, unfortunately. And there are a lot of factors that contribute to those things um, and how those fish will go off for whatever reason at a specific time. But anyway, to get back to your question, uh, it, it just kind of depends. This year I had a lot of success um, in the post-spawn period right after those muskies got done spawning as they were kind of coming out of their spawning bays uh, and moving out um, of those spawning bays, I had a lot of success picking them off where they were picking off other bait fish that were spawning crappies, bluegills, um, in those areas, both in Iowa and in Wisconsin. I had a lot of luck with that. Um, Wisconsin was kind of nice cause I was able to be there quite a bit this summer. So I was able to kind of follow those fish as they transitioned from those shallow flats out into the basin areas to recover from the spawn and then track them from that basin area back to kind of where they home like their home range in the summer on those weed lines mm -hmm. um so that was kind of cool um to, to kind of follow that progression a lot of guys swear by the fall last year i had a really good fall this year i haven't had as good of a fall but at the same time i've had a couple of opportunities that you know had those fish hit the bag you know i'd be probably singing praises of this fall but like <laughs> when you dump a 44 and like a 42 incher at the boat it's like well maybe the fall wasn't so great but i was able to put <laughs> I put my wife on a really nice 44 and a half inch fish. So that, uh, that was really special to share with her and that'll probably make my fall. So even if I don't get another one this whole year, it'll be fine. Cause that one was worth it. So what, what's the deal with Wisconsin? I noticed like, like during the summer, you see all your videos seem to be from Wisconsin, but, but you're from Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> funny story. So I, I met my wife a few years ago, uh, when I used to play in a band and, um, from there, I learned that she had a, a summer home in Wisconsin. So we went and spent some time up there and her family has always musky fished on this lake. It's, it's a great, it's a great body of water up there in the Hayward area. And there's tons of awesome bodies of water around there too, for musky fishing as any, anyone who's been up there will tell you. And, uh, I went up there initially and I was just like bass, bass I'm one of those like bass guy, musky converts, I guess you could say. And I went up there and I, uh, just was kind of bass fishing and catching some pike and some walleye and her dad finally convinced me to try musky fishing and the first not the first time I went out but you know uh, I went out with him a couple of mornings one of the mornings I went out I had this I was just fishing the the musky size whopper plopper and I had this huge fish coming behind it it was probably I don't know a low to mid 40s fish which for that body of water is pretty big and I had never seen a fish that big behind my bait you know I'm a bass fisherman like a five or six pound bass that was like huge for me <laughs> yeah. so this fish is coming behind the bait and and i just don't even know what to do i'm like freaking out and i just stopped the whopper plopper for i don't know why because that is <laughs> obviously what you do no it's not any musky fisherman will tell you speed it up and then like go into your figure eight hard in the l and like make sure you keep that bait moving because it's like game of cat and mouse and you want the cat to eat the mouse, I guess, basically. And, but yeah, that kind of changed, changed my tune. And then, uh, that was, that was in midsummer and we went back another week in August and I got my first muskie. Uh, that was probably four or five years ago. Now I was fishing, uh, 
you know, like a lot of guys, a 700 Booker tail on a break. And this muskie just came out of like 17 feet of water and just T-boned this Booker tail right in front of me. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever saw. Hmm. And I've just been hooked ever since. No, a lot of people like try and uh, they're like, well, you know, why do you go out and chase these stupid things? And it's like, well, it's really <laughs> hard to articulate the experience and how different and unique the experience of catching a muskie is, despite all the work that you put into making it happen. So hopefully I can articulate a little bit of that tonight, but I, I'm not going to make any guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> so that figure eight really works, right? Because you see it all the time. I mean, like you were saying, like the cat and mouse thing. So I, I, that was actually a good uh, definite or analogy for that. Yes, yeah, you see that all the time. I mean, you see it all the time on YouTube. I was just like, does it really work? <laughs> oh yeah, it works. Um, actually, like this year is probably the first year that I've really started to concentrate on my technique and making my figure eight better, especially when it comes to fish. And I've actually finally been able to put more fish consistently on the figure eight in the boat uh, this, okay. this year, more than in the past. I don't know. I can't even think about what I've done in the past. Some of the things that I've changed this year are when I come into the figure eight by the boat, I'm always speeding up the lure. I, I, I'm concentrating on making a larger turn, which I've got longer rods now than I've had in the past. So that probably... Um, is a contributing factor to that success because they're big fish they need a lot of room to turn so the more room that you have to turn that bait um, in the figure eight the more likely it is that they're going to be able to keep track of it and and find it and grab it another thing that i found too especially in like clear water situations is having the rod lower than the plane of the boat so that lure is coming in lower than the plane of the boat to start off with before you turn it so like as you're Coming into the figure eight, if that lure is lower than the plane of the boat, then it's just staring at open water in front of it. Whereas if it's not lower than the plane of the boat, which my dad messed up several times this spring, like he should have had <laughs> two or three one day. And if his figure eights would have been better, we would have had shots at a lot of fish. But anyway, I have found that that is very effective. So then when you're turning the bait, then it draws their attention away from the boat. And then hopefully they'll eat it in that first turn versus like, you know, and sometimes it, it'll take them a couple of times go around and then they'll eat it or they won't. And then hindsight's 2020 20 as to what you did wrong or how you could have changed that. And it's over and done in like a second. And then you're just like, Oh man, that, that could have been different. <laughs> and usually when you think of fish, like usually you, you would think like, Oh, the fish sees the boat and they kind of like run away. But like those muskies, I guess they must be like so zoned in onto that bait. Like they don't. Oh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what it is about the muskies because the pike don't do it. The pike will come and they'll hit your lure boat side, but they will not do the figure eight thing or anything like that. It, it's very bizarre. And sometimes too, they'll, they'll be more curious than, than hungry. If that makes any sense at all. Like I had one follow this spring and the fish was just staring at my, the, the lure I was working is a Lake X toad. The musky fishermen will know what that is. I know that means nothing to you. It's just basically a, <laughs> I should have grabbed some of them. I have like two hanging in my closet right now that I need to fix, but they, it's just basically a, a large soft plastic lure and it looks like a dying bait fish. And it just sat there it, like by the boat. I was just kind of working it and it hung out there for probably 45 seconds, just kind of staring at it, didn't want to eat it, wouldn't eat it. And there's really nothing I could do. He just kind of hung out for a while. <laughs> Can you explain a little bit about the setup? Because um, if I'm looking to get into uh, musky, you know, fishing, everything, what what would you recommend like pole wise, length wise, what kind of, you know, uh, what kind of action on the pole? What kind of lure would you recommend me to? Because first of all, if anybody doesn't musky fish, go look at their damn lures. They're expensive as hell. So I want to make sure if I'm going to buy them. Yeah, and they're huge. So if I get a, you know, a musky lure, I want to make sure I'm, am I getting the right one? Um, so I, I guess you can say, what's a good setup to, for a beginner and the, what's your go-to setup too? So I can. Okay. Yeah. I'll try and break that down quick. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so yeah, it's not cheap. Last week yeah. I, I broke a $50 lure on a rock after I oh. side scanned one and cast it to it. And I was like, Oh God. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it's it just, it's just one of those days on the water anyway. Um, for rod and reels, um, you know, a lot of, it, it's not cheap. And the thing that I have found more than anything is to not, you pay for what you get. I'm sure you guys yeah. can relate. You, you know, fishing and yeah. you know, the sport and what you pay is what you get. Um, yeah. There are some entry level type reels that like, if, if you're trying to like dabble in it, um, that you might be able to get away with. But if you're looking for a reel, that's going to like hold up to, to the lures, to the fish, 
and and like be able to cast the uh, cast the lure and and have the line and the drag pressure needed you're probably looking at dropping around 200 bucks minimum for a reel and probably 150 to 200 for a rod minimum and there are vastly more expensive options uh i've had a lot of luck with abu garcia um, i know some people don't i've also gotten into shimano too i've got a tranks 400 right now that i started using this fall uh, that works really well i understand why people love the shimanos uh, it's very very apparent um <laughs> those reels are very smooth and it's yeah. it's awesome but what's interesting is the drag pressure on my shimano is not as high as it on my uh toro rocket hmm. my abu garcia but anyway so yeah your entry level reels would be like an abu garcia toro s which is like if you can find them on sale for like 175 sometimes uh, but most of the time they are they're around that 200 dollars price point uh 13 fishing a3 reels are another one kind of in that price point too and then from there you've got your abu garcia revo uh revo toro beast uh toro rockets um your shimano tranks 400s and 300s and it just kind of depends on what you're willing to spend and pay and Right now, I, I've had a lot of luck using Chaos Tackles assault sticks this year. Uh, some of the YouTube YouTube people I follow used them, and I, I picked one up, or my wife got me one for my birthday last year. Loved it. It was awesome for me all fall, so I picked up another one. Um, I think my parents got it for me for Christmas, actually. I may or may not have just like ordered that and told them that's what they're getting me for Christmas, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> that was the best the, way, those, man. <laughs> I know, right? But those are awesome. Uh, just the nine-foot... Uh, the nine foot length is huge. And okay. to a lot of people, like the nine foot is like, holy smokes, that's a huge rod. Mm -hmm. uh, that's so long. But like even the difference between a rod length that is eight, six and nine foot, uh, the efficiency in your figure eight, the efficiency of throwing the bait, uh, the reduced fatigue on your body casting those bigger baits all day is is night and day. I really want to pick up a nine six this winter and see how that treats me next year. Um, just Just to kind of change it up. I know there are guys that are throwing like 10 footers. I got to throw a guide's 10 footer this summer and that was pretty, that was pretty crazy. And then the other thing too, is obviously you have leaders and there's different types of leaders for different applications. It's similar to, to bass fishing and, and all types of fishing in that way. There are very specific applications that make the job easier and more efficient. Now I'm not saying you can't put a steel leader on and go grab a, a, a MEPS number five or number four and go with your bass gear and catch a muskie. There are plenty of people that do that. I actually saw someone do that in front of me a couple weekends ago. It's just, it happens. They're, they're fish and they eat. But um, if you're planning on doing it, it definitely helps to have the right gear. Um, and a lot of times the size of the rod and the reel isn't necessarily geared towards the size of the fish like you know i've caught a handful of fish that have actually tested my gear like to the point where it's like oh this is like a real fish it's gonna actually put my gear to the test you know i've only caught a handful of those but when that happens it's nice to have but realistically just the size of the baits that you're using you know you want that 80 pound test because Otherwise, like you said, the, the baits are very expensive and we all get backlashes. It happens. Sometimes we get them more than others, but that 80, <laughs> that 80 pound test will, will usually hold up depending on what kind you're using 80 to hundred pound, uh, depending on, on the brand. Like I, I prefer Cortland. I know that people are like, I love power pro and I've never had an issue with power pro. I just prefer Cortland because it's just a little bit more supple. Some people don't like Cortland cause it sheds water too much. And absorbs water too much and uh, that's a fair gripe i don't do enough fishing in, in like the freezing cold temps to where it's hindered me yet but i guess if that happens this fall then it is what it is but uh yeah so don't think that it's always that the size of the rod and the reel is always strictly related to the the fish themselves right yeah it's that's... more of an efficiency game yeah, that's the same for like catfish too you know people yeah. try to pick a rod yeah. and reel based on the fish that they're gonna catch but you gotta think about like your weight and your bait that you're going to throw. That's really yeah. what's more important. Cause how much do those, uh, musky baits usually weigh like your typical one that you throw, like those big swim um, baits. The, so those swim baits that you'll see in my videos, there's two kinds that I really like to use the, the smaller swimming dogs. Those are like, I think around three or four ounces and the big ones, the 10 inches are usually around seven or eight, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, they're heavy, <laughs> but I mean, you, you're totally right. The, the catfish comparison is, is a great one, uh, especially for like gearing the gear towards presentation versus 
presentation and efficiency versus not necessarily the fish right like your your blue catfish video is a good example of that like uh you know you got one fish that particular trip that probably tested your gear that really good one and then you know most of the other ones it's just kind of like well they were fun but uh they didn't exactly put your gear to the test yeah but it's just throwing out all that weight and stuff that's that that's oh, yeah. what really tests your gear too. Man, you yeah, just... you gotta be careful not to backlash on those. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I I better not touch it then for <laughs> a while because <laughs> uh, backlash. I just hey Kit, can you help me <laughs> real quick and get this one out? I actually actually give it to him to help me out sometimes when uh, it gets a little rough. I, you know, it, it happens, and I'm I'm not the most patient guy, and I'm just cut it, man. <laughs> That's what I oh, will that. do. You know. <laughs> I hate cutting my line. See? <laughs> like, oh man, because you know braid. Yeah, braid's expensive. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much uh your eighty pound. Uh, what was that brand that you used? I don't know. Like, I don't know how much three hundred yards as that is. Uh, the Cortland, the Cortland spool I got, I got six hundred for ninety bucks, I think, which Damn. I thought was pretty. Re- it's pretty reasonable considering. That's- yeah, because they they sell it in the bait shops in Hayward yeah. for like it's like thirty bucks for a hundred and fifty yard spool. So yeah, it's, oh. it's like that's a no brainer, especially yeah. when you're gonna go through it anyway. That's true. Yeah. Yep. But, Don't ask me to go, man. I'm backlash king, man. I'm not the greatest <laughs> when it comes to bait casters. Yeah, I, I I have my I just put on maximize the breaks. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what i always do i don't care I maximize the break so it's like and, and i cast maybe like five ten yards <laughs> so i slowly uh release it but after that it's like yeah it sucks man i'm not gonna lie is what it is right yeah so, uh, it, it happens <laughs> so what's your what's your plan after falls over do you do you target them through the ice muskies or is that a thing i mean I, i've seen it on like youtube and stuff but i don't think it's very yeah. common is it no, I don't think it's super common. I've seen it a few times on YouTube too, but usually once ice gets here, I put the musky stuff away and I focus on thinking about planning, you know, the next year and how I'm going to approach attacking my lakes around in my local area and then potentially in Wisconsin. Most of the winter I spend trying to catch some food because like most of the summer I'm fishing for muskies or bass and true. you know, if I, if I catch the incidental pike, I'll keep and eat it. I love pike. They're delicious and they need pulled out of those bodies water because they can take over body water pretty easy. So yeah, the winter time I focus on crappies and, and bluegills and, you know, the occasional catfish or walleye wants to bite. That's tons of fun too, but usually just a few brews and, and some crappies is about my focus during the ice season. Man. You ever catch a wiper through the ice? Cause you were talking no, about those wild payload, payload wipers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need to get up there and actually try and do some stuff during the ice. I get, I get way too much of my comfort zone during the ice season where I go to my same farm ponds that I've hit and had good luck with, or I go to my local, uh, you know, lakes that I've been fishing since I was five years old and know, know what to do and how to catch fish there. And I need to go explore a little bit and try the wiper thing, like what you guys do through the ice, which is very impressive. <laughs> They cannot be easy to catch, and that would be oh. insanely fun. Yeah, it they're is. they're pretty tricky um, through the ice because they're like what pelagic, so they just roam. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not yep. gonna go up to a brush pile like, oh, I wonder if some wipers are hanging out in this tree. Like, no, yeah, you know, if they're there, they're probably just cruising right by it, and you just happen to be there at the right place, right time. All right, you're gonna have to come. Yeah. You're gonna have to come here, Matt, and uh, we'll 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 jump in the car and we'll just follow this guy, and then he's gonna take <laughs> us. He's gonna take us to the magic, you know, the the, the magic world of wipers. And uh, hey, he did it to me, so I was like, you know what? Like I said, I have to agree, man. I'm super addicted to wipers through the ice now. It's like can't wait for ice season for that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's great to catch the the crappie because I love to eat crappie. I, I still think that the best eating mm-hmm. fish, honestly, and that's just my personal taste besides yellow bass i would say yellow bass and crappies to me are probably like the number one eating for me yeah man the wipers through the ice i'm telling you i i tell anyone till this day i'm like just catching that type of a fish on a freaking 30 inch pole oh i'm sure it's just one of those things but hey that's the thing too though i mean muskies just don't are they just not active during ice season then guys i don't know i don't know Um, that's why i'm I really have no idea. 
I think I think it'd be no different than setting a tip up for like a pike or something. I, okay. I know people do that, and I've heard of people catching muskies on tip ups and stuff, and, and mm. going and and running live bait for them with like quick strikes and and that kind of thing. Okay. I just I've never taken the time to really do it through the ice, just because again yeah. comfort zone thing, and they're hard enough to catch during the season. It's kind of nice to have a little bit of a break from them and not let them drive you completely nuts all year round. So. Yeah. <laughs> agreed you kind of want to catch fish you know more, more times during the winter yeah it's just nice to have the rod bend during the winter it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> what it is you don't want to be in a zero degrees and minus 20 and not catch anything <laughs> yeah it's happened many many times it's, it's i was not gonna the, say i've had my fair share of those as well <laughs> it's not the greatest it's not the greatest experience you yeah. gotta have beer with you though at least as long as you have beer with you any, anything is always good at least that's what i say i remember last year i spent about eight or nine hours on one of my local lakes fishing for crappies and i was watching perch and crappies swim by on my camera and they were not eating anything and i was like this was stupid this is not <laughs> smart <laughs> a lot of people don't really see that's the thing because uh I, I do have a lot of uh friends and stuff they're like you guys are cheating man you guys are using flashers you guys are using cameras i go guys you have no idea something it actually i actually think technology makes it worse at times because you know the fish is right there that. you know mm -hmm. the fish is right there you see it and if you have a camera and it's still not and you put the lure right in front of its face it doesn't bite it, yep for I what mean. it's right there like what the hell it's one of those yeah. things where and i tell and i tell you know the the guys i'm just like you have no idea how hard it is to get that fish to bite sometimes you have you can put it right in front of its face it's just not gonna bite man it sucks and then and the, th the worst part like you just said you know it's right there it's a fish is right oh, yeah. there so yeah yeah that's uh the electronics are such a huge component nowadays in fishing and even musky fishing too like uh yeah, a lot of people i'm i'm fortunate i've got a couple of uh helix gens gen 2 so i can side scan mm -hmm. and it's pretty frustrating when you side scan muskies and then they don't want to do anything um, <laughs> i i still have yet to catch one i've had a couple that i've scanned follow follow my lure back to the boat but i know some people live and die by that where they'll just drive around on bigger bodies water and they'll just be scanning beaches, scanning rocks, scanning weeds, and just literally look for those fish cruising around. And then when they see one, they either drop a waypoint on it and go back to it and troll, or they'll drop a waypoint on it, go back to it and cast, you know, big baits at it and hope that it'll, hope that it'll go. I know you eat fish. You were talking about eating fish earlier. So what's, oh, yeah. what's, what's your favorite? Oh man, my favorite. That's tough. Um, there's nothing better than like ice crappies, like crappies that you just caught through the ice and then clean them that day, fry them up that night. It's pretty tough to beat that. As far as like in general fish, I, I really like Northern Pike. A lot of people don't think that they'll taste very good. And a lot of people struggle with the Y bones and I get both of those gripes a lot of times it does not hurt to pull some of those smaller fish out of the system anyways because they're just sucking up bait that you know that those other fish need to eat and they're just not going to grow nearly as big so we eat a lot of pike in wisconsin and they're really good you can grill them you can fry them you can do a lot with them I, my wife and i did black and i shouldn't say i she <laughs> she she cooked black and pike a couple of times this summer and it was really good so I mean, there's a lot that you can do with them. They're flex uh, very, you know, versatile fish that you can catch and cook and helps the body water, tastes good. Win-win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, haven't caught, I haven't caught a pike in a while. We're gonna, I'm going to try and see if I can catch a pike soon. I haven't caught one in a long time, actually. So actually, I've been wanting to ask, oh, on YouTube or whatnot, when, when people catch muskies, they take really good care of handling mm -hmm. it, okay? As as a novice, I wouldn't even say novice, as a non musky fishermen like myself or people who are listening or watching okay number one why are we so careful of how you you know handle the musky and number two how do you actually hold a musky because um, i've heard people you know hold it in specific ways or whatnot they say no that's gonna damage it's gonna hurt it it's gonna kill it mm -hmm. um can you explain that a little bit i mean I'm just oh yeah yeah fish handling is very important when it comes to muskies not only for their safety but also yours and okay. i it's it's funny because i catch myself uh going back in some of my videos and looking at how i unhooked fish and i'm like oh my gosh how did i not get yeah. stuck there how did i not get bit there and it's like oh and half the time it's not even the teeth you got to worry about it's it's the hooks as you're trying to take that fish get the hooks out of the fish the fish is thrashing those hooks are going everywhere 
and yeah, I've been fortunate so far, knock on wood. Uh, hopefully we can continue the streak, but muskies, the, the, they're very delicate. They're very mean, but they're like really tough, but also like really fragile. It, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird line that the, the muskies kind of walk. And I think a lot of the care also comes from the fact that the resource is pretty limited. I mean, there really isn't a fish out there that it operates in as low of a density in the lake. Uh, being an apex predator like they are. So even a lake that has, you know, a good density of muskies is only going to have, you know, a fish or a fish and a half per surface acre of the lake, which not to get into the metrics of why I think the surface acres thing is silly because you're talking about a 2D metric in a 3D body of water, which I think is stupid because it's also not taking into account the, like the actual habitat that those fish live in, but I'm not going to get into that. Anyway, (laughs) it's very important in the boat to make sure you got a big net. Um, I've seen bass guys, I've helped bass guys and I've seen bass guys, you know, they'll accidentally catch one. They're definitely not ready. It's not their fault or anything like that, but it can create a mess in a hurry trying to unhook, you know, a fish that's 38, 40 inches that you weren't prepared to catch because you know, that fish is unpredictable. It's not happy. You're not quite sure how to handle it. So a big net is probably the first key in order to ensure that fish is safety because the the net itself kind of acts as its own live well off the side of your boat while you're working on the fish, getting the hooks out. And then, you know, after you get the hooks out while you're setting up cameras to take a picture or whatever, it's just, it's just sitting there and it's just chilling Mm -hmm. and it's, it's recovering and other important things, make sure you got a long pair of needle nose pliers, like 10 plus inches, like 10 or 12 inch pair uh, of oh. needle nose pliers. I usually keep one pair of those and then a pair of like random six inches because sometimes you have to like position the, the lure weird and then get it with the other pair. And then probably more importantly than those is a, a good pair of hook, uh, hook cutters, like Nifex hook cutters. Uh, that's what I have in my boat. Used them a ton this summer. Uh, it saves you in a, in a pinch. Hooks are cheap. It's like a dollar for a hook. You know, that muskie's life. I mean, even for the DNR to raise it to 13 inches, I'd hate to guess the the overall, uh, the overhead costs that went into putting that fish in that body of water. Uh, Kevin Paul kind of touched on that a little bit in your guys' yeah. podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's really important. Holding the fish is important too. Um, you want to make sure you're holding it horizontally horizontally rather than vertically you see inexperienced people will often hold them vertically you don't want to do that if you think about uh like a body of water and how that weight is supported in in water like obviously your density is more supported in water because like you weigh less in water um so think about it like the muskie you know his organs are not meant to be held vertically at no point with that amount of gravity acting on its body so in order to ensure the health of the fish Hold it horizontally how it's meant to be in nature and then even though there's a little more gravity when you take it out of the water it's not nearly as severe after you get your pictures and stuff try and limit that time out of water you know think about how long it you think about how long you can hold your breath and that's usually a good a good measure of the fish and and you know there's a lot of fishermen uh musky fishermen that'll they have different takes on that as to how long you should keep them out of the water but i think if if you just if you think about how long you can hold your breath and try and limit that fish's time out of water to like 30 40 seconds tops uh you're probably good in most cases other than when the water is is warm or like over that 75 degree mark that's kind of a a a zone where you got to start being really careful and conscious of, of the fish's health, just because, uh, for whatever reason, they don't do well in warm water. And, and there's some studies that are currently taking place in the Virginias related to the delayed mortality of, of muskie in warm water and how bad it is to catch or fish from general rule of consensus up to the point before, um, those studies started taking place was like, once that water is, is like 78 to 80 degrees, it's a good time to probably, you know, kind of shut it down and, and think about the the health of those fish. Mm. Yeah, I remember in one of your recent videos, you, you guys were talking about like, you know, the water temperature was like right there, whether you, mm-hmm. know, you should fish or not fish for them. So you had to go yeah. to like, uh, a, like a different lake compared, like right. one lake you wanted to fish. Yeah, so the, the lake that we were wanting to fish was the one that our cabin was on and, and the water temp there was like 82, 83. Uh, just because we had that crazy warm streak in July. So we, we had to go to a bigger lake. We went to the biggest, the biggest, clearest lake in the area. It's like, I think it's like 3,300 acres or something like that and, and really deep. So the water there was like 78, 78.5 at the time that we were fishing. We got off the, we got off the water uh, when, the wa- when it warmed up to the point where we didn't feel like it was safe for the fish. Yeah, that, that was why. And then 
the the most recent video that I, I published with the old the really old one that water again we we went further north to a body of water again about I think 3,300 acres but it had that body of water had more natural springs so we were fishing water right around you know 78 degrees after a cool down had started so we were kind of just like should be okay and that first one you saw it took him uh, it took him a little bit but he was fine he just sometimes they take a little while to recover I had no idea about the the temperature of the water made that big of a difference on them. I mean, I, I, you probably right here, if you are listening, you probably saved a couple of muskies lives. No, I'm dead serious. Like, hopefully, I mean, hopefully uh, it, you know, in a way how fragile they are. I mean, it's, it's, they're very, you know, very rare, obviously mm-hmm. to catch number one. And then um, just how you handle, cause like you're saying, most bass fishermen, when, when like me right now, if I were to oh, go yeah. fish right now, if I would have caught it, I, I mean, I, yeah, I would probably hold it up horizontally, but I don't know, like you were just saying, like, imagine how long I kept it out of the water, take picture, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, it, it, it makes a huge difference because to me, that was just mind blowing because I didn't know, you know? Yeah, education is so important. And and hopefully, you know, just people being a little bit, bit more knowledgeable or even reaching fishermen that don't expect to catch them, then hopefully yeah. they'll hear this and, you know, help put them on the right path. I think the warm water thing too is important um, to put it in kind of a comparative context. Like uh, these, these fish are, they're similar to like smallmouth where if you let them, they will fight you until they literally die. Mm-hmm. The difference being that muskie are, are much bigger, you know, than smallmouth. like obviously their, their mass and their size. So if you think about like how large that fish is, and then the amount of oxygen within the water that it needs to take in, in order to adequately recover, uh, it's much greater. So that balance is much more delicate as that fish is much bigger. Mm. So if anybody's listening, yes, Matt is a teacher and I just got learned. <laughs> so I think yeah. it's kind of my job. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap, man. No, I'm hell educated me, man. I, I had no idea. You know, honestly, I really, cause obviously I've never caught one. So I don't even know how to handle one, but, but like I said, I see so many YouTube, I see your channel, just how you guys handle it. I just like, you guys are super careful with it so just uh yeah just you know understand that it's it's, it's a frag fragile fish in a way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and and props to the musky community because like we we do a really good job of taking care of that resource we understand how fragile they are we understand that we love catching them and we want them there for the next guy whether they're a musky fisherman or someone who's you know trying to catch their first fish mm-hmm. it doesn't matter like you know the only way that they're going to be in that system and the only way that they're going to grow is if we put them back. So <laughs> I was just going to say, that's kind of why a lot of the muskie fishermen here in Iowa would really like to see that uh, length limit raised uh, <laughs> past 40 inches. Oh uh, yeah. I've so, seen uh, uh, Charlie, Charlie Ridgeway talking about that. Yeah. I, I've talked to him a little bit about that too. Unfortunately, it's, there's a lot of, it sounds like there's a lot of bureaucracy to jump through and, understanding the process there because my dad is also a conservationist and and how that all works and some of the hoops that he has to jump through in order to get some of the land stuff going it it's yeah it's we we just had a a podcast we did with jeff he's a dnr and he he kind of explained with us um the the whole process when it comes to that the they they don't want to uh what was the thing kit um they, they don't want to okay because i was regulation for fishing and everything's like what is it about this thick he said other state other states are this thick and he goes Mm -hmm. you know and it's true i I totally get what he's saying he goes we don't want to be this thick because then that means everything is so over regulated in in a way and he's hoping that you know fishermen like you were just saying um just use your best judgment common sense type of thing but but you know what that kind of brings it up so so the limit, what is it? Is it 40 inch in Iowa? Is it 40 yeah, that you can keep? One, one fish at 40 inches is, is the limit in Iowa. And I've talked to, I've talked to Chris Mack. He's a fishery biologist in our area too. And he, he put it plainly as like, it's a put and take type deal. Like they're put in the water as a resource to fishermen mm-hmm. and whether or not musky fishermen necessarily agree with that length limit, it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. To the DNR, it's it's not necessarily different than like a walleye or a wiper that they're putting in there for people to use that resource, and they can use it use that resource how they see fit. If if they want to keep it and it's a legal fish, then they can keep it. If it's not, then obviously put it back, just like 
anything else in the body of water itself. And, and I think too, uh, I think Kevin Paul touched on this too, a little bit in, in your guys's podcast uh, last week or whatever, where he was kind of saying the generation of like, I'm going to keep this just because I caught it is, is very much starting to get phased out. And, and I mm-hmm. think fishermen today, which is huge, a huge credit to social media, huge credit to YouTube and stuff. Fishermen generally are more educated. They understand the resource better and they understand what it means to take care of the resource because I mean, I don't know if you guys fish at all this spring, but it was absolutely bonkers out there. I've never seen so many people fishing in my life. Um, and just knowing that hopefully these people are more educated than, than most people in the past. And hopefully, even though there's more fishermen than there ever have been, hopefully we're able to take better care of that resource. Mm, you have a lot of faith in people. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably too much. I, I've spent enough time on the Iowa river to, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I have a little faith in humanity kit. Gee, hey, I mean, I do, you but downer over here, man, come on. Yeah. Then you walk up to a fishing spot and it's got like, you know, a 11 gallon bag worth of garbage just laying there that's true well that's true yeah that's a whole nother deal i i think uh who was it uh i think it was it was d yang that we did that one with kit like it's true because uh you know obviously with the pandemic and everything there's just a lot of new fishermen or women and kid or whatever the case may be a lot of people who are going out to fish that normally don't fish and they're leaving a lot of trash. I mean, they don't think they, they probably don't think about it. They're just like, they open up the wrappers of their lure and then just, you know what I'm saying? Same thing with lines and and they just kind of leave it, but it's, it it, it definitely is not meant to be left there by the way. So it's well, and then, you know, you have people too tossing just random fish on the bank that they think are undesirable. And it's like, you know, yeah. I think, I think kid, I think I talked to you about this. I don't know, uh, this spring, like, I think you said there were some blue suckers thrown up on the bank and I've seen several thrown up on the bank in Iowa city this spring. And it's mm-hmm. like, if, if only people understood like how rare that fish actually is. And, yeah. and even I didn't, I, I didn't even know. I just knew it was like, damn, this is a big ass sucker. <laughs> yeah. There's such a unique and cool fish. It's, it's really too bad that people don't know. Yeah you know kind of what they do um, and how far they travel and migrate and all that stuff it's crazy i I think you're gonna like the uh the podcast we did with jeff um with the iowa dnr uh he 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 truly explained it pretty well like okay invasive species like do not throw those on the rocks because we asked them we're like Mm -hmm. what do you do with these invasive species because like you're just saying so many people would just think it's trash fish and Mm. He even said, even if it's invasive, even if it's invasive, and we're, we're going to release this obvious, uh, that, that podcast, but he's like, don't leave that on the side because, you know, if you're not going to consume it, you put it mm-hmm. back, even if it's invasive, yeah. you put it back yep. because it's, I think it's one of those things almost just, what is it? Um, just morally yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. i'm saying you know you don't just do that to the the fish even i know i understand it's invasive yeah but, and, and i would have some serious trouble with that myself yeah yeah and and that's the thing but but the thing is though i think a lot of fishermen don't know that they think well mm-hmm. that's a trash fish or that's invasive um suppose i saw it on the list is invasive or it's a trash fish so they like kit was saying they just chuck it onto the side and then it, it makes it horrible for the next fisherman, obviously, when he's walking up to there and is like, what the, mm-hmm. ooh, you know, type of yeah. thing. But. Yeah, Jeff Jeff was saying, basically, you're not doing anyone any favors by throwing that fish on the rocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. One or two fish on the rocks not going to get rid of the entire invasive species. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So it's it's like, it's pointless for you to do that. You might as well either consume it or put it back in. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to that one. That sounds really interesting. Something else that I've seen that people do uh, with specifically like the, the silver carp and stuff that are really problematic and have like, you know, taken over places like Kentucky Lake is if they're dead set on killing them and not consuming them, what I've seen people do is they like cut their gills out and then put them back in the water. So then whatever is in the water consumes yeah, them. Whether that's what I a, do. Yeah. Whether it's a raccoon or, you know, uh, another fish, whatever it is. But but like Kit said, that's what he does. And then, but at least you're not leaving it on the side. Like you're oh saying, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're just, yeah. yeah, you're just creating a mess if you do that. And it's exactly. like then every other fisherman, you know, say some guy comes down there at night and catches you know 
10 or 12 suckers that he throws on the bank. And then, well, you know, by the morning there's flies and they smell bad. And then that, you know, whomever comes down there to fish the next day, it's just the, something that they got to deal with. And no yeah. one wants to be around that. Nope. Agreed. So we got it. Yeah, exactly. Like people think that, Oh, the scavengers are going to come and eat it, but in a high <laughs> no, traffic area. There's people around. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Exactly. In an area where there's tons of people around they're they're never going to get to it. It's just going to sit there and rot. The masses needs to listen to our podcast, Kit. Then we'll have a much better fisherman, man. I'm telling you. The fishing world would be better. Right? <laughs> Great experience of fishing all around, man. Trash be picked up. No littering. People aren't going to leave dead freaking fish on the side. Good times. <laughs> if only. If only. If only. Yeah, no kidding. It'd be nice I mean, if people really cared about the resources as much as you'd like them to. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, the best we could do is just educate people, really. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That's what we did this podcast for to help educate the non-fisher people like me to don't do stupid shit that like that to ruin it for the rest of the world, right? Sure. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, hopefully I've been able to educate a few people. I, I know I yeah. am no expert, but hopefully um if anyone has questions, feel free to shoot me a message, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, YouTube, anytime. I'll do my best to answer them. I'm not going to promise you that I am the musky expert, but I've caught a few fish. Sometimes I feel like I know what I'm doing. Sometimes I don't feel like I know what I'm doing at all. Usually it's more of the second one. Yeah. But, no, uh, you know quite a bit more than you think. I, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you that much, man. But um, you got anything else for Matt Kit? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. I, I learned a lot. I think um, I'm not... I'm ready, man. We're gonna try for musky pretty soon. We, I, we'll be in touch. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have to get my my setup and stuff ready. I have to get a longer pole because I don't have a nine foot pole for well, it. So if you go with me, I got plenty of extra stuff. Don't worry. Right. Definitely, uh, I, I definitely want to try. I I, I want to catch. Like I guess that's my unicorn fish. So I, I still want to definitely catch it. But you got anything else for Matt, man? So he can he's oh. hey, I got learned all this whole time. So. I'm, <laughs> I wanted to talk about my first muskie experience, which was just last week. Okay. Um, so, like, I mean, I don't really target muskies or ever caught one until last weekend. But I kind of, I kind of know like the the mentality behind it, I guess. Because mm -hmm. when, when, so I was just fishing with six pound test, throwing a spoon, and then I just hook up muskie in his tail, like it's jumping out of the water, and I'm in my kayak, so I'm like, uh oh. How the hell am I going to do this? <laughs> I got like my net is probably like, you know, a little panfish net, like maybe, <laughs> maybe like this big since it was hooked into tail. And, I, you know, I'm just thinking like, OK, I got to get this fish up to the kayak and then get get its head up since it's hooked into tail. It's going to be really hard. So I was fighting. I was fighting it for like 20, I think like 20, 25 minutes. And, um, and then my other buddies out in the kayak, you know, I holler at them. I'm like. Cuckoo, cuckoo. It's this, it's, this, it's this bird call that I do. <laughs> yeah, he but, does. Uh, so my buddy, uh, my buddy Matt, I, I, I think I saw he had a bigger net. I mean, it's not like a musky net where it's like this, mm. but it's bigger than the net that I had. I was like, dude, I got a musky. Like, I think, I think you guys are gonna have to help me. So we got like three kayaks in like close proximity, trying to <laughs> trying to wrangle this musky, and like we're just trying to figure out, okay, what are we gonna do? You know, I think it got to the point where we were probably half an hour into this fight and it, where it was tired enough where it wasn't, where it didn't have its head like down in the water. Mm -hmm. like, we eventually uh, got it in my buddy's Matt's net and it, oh, hey, his name's Matt too. <laughs> <laughs> but, so we eventually get it in his net, you know, and then I'm just thinking like, well, this fish is pretty tired. So I try to give it some time but then at the same time the net's so tiny it's kind of like halfway falling out of the out of the net I'm like dude all right i gotta i just positioned my um my kayak into the sun because i was filming and stuff mm -hmm. and I, don't know, I just thought about like everything i learned from like watching youtube and stuff how to handle musky and then my friend matt he's like freaking me out he's like man you better watch out man they're gonna cut you like they're gonna cut you <laughs> with, with, when you grab them i was like oh god like it's already bad enough. Like uh, we're in the kayak, so I, don't know. I think I did okay. I'll, I'll send you some pictures, Matt. But... Oh sure, that'd be great. Are you sure it didn't swat at your spoon though? I mean, 
So here's the thing is sometimes they'll, they'll take a shot at a lure. And then since they're long, just working that lure normally, like a couple of years ago, bass fishing on Boji, I had one hit a chatterbait. I hooked up, he shook the hook and then he must've turned or did something weird. I ended up snagging him in the back and got him in. And that is not the only time I've seen that people do it all the time on green Bay where the fish will swat at the lure in the early spring period and they'll end up getting, you know, kind of hooked in the back weird. So don't oh, yeah. think that he might not have actually, I mean, he may have actually taken a, taken a shot at your spoon. Yeah. It's like a tiny spoon. Like you just made him feel better, Matt. He, uh, well. he, he, he was a little crying like, yeah, but it don't count, man. I got it in the back. It don't count. So he was a little, he was a little, uh, you yeah. know, I was, but I, I was a little salty him. that he I was salty. He, he was salty. Yeah. <laughs> hey, see, I was, I was debating whether I, whether or not I should upload it, but. I, don't know, I think I think I handled it okay, like like when you talk about how I like handling the fish, you know, letting it rest and then holding it horizontally and stuff. So yeah. that's that's like stuff I I, I kind of know just from watching YouTube and well, mm -hmm. I I like to release a lot of fish, so I try to I try to take care of a lot of the fish that I throw back. Oh yeah, for sure. Also, you definitely want to be careful if you do get stuck uh, by a muskie or a pike. They have an anticoagulant factor in their saliva that will make you bleed forever and there's nothing that you can do to stop it unless you got like a first aid kit trust really? me i so know from experience multiple times <laughs> so when you get stuck by um what part of the uh if they if they bite you if you get really? one of their teeth or the other thing that i've noticed too is if you catch one and then you happen to hook yourself like if you're sharpening a hook and you get cut with the hook then you'll bleed forever too because it's still on there really? yeah it's annoying I had no idea. Yeah, I, I was super nervous when, when we got that. Always, always have your first aid kit. Always okay. have your first aid kit. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, we didn't have it. Oh, man, my light keeps turning yeah. off. That's good to know. No, I had no idea. Okay, so, oh, holy crap. So if we're going to go musky fish, you better have your first <laughs> aid kit, kit, man. Jeez. See, well, I was going to go. musky fishing. <laughs> man, you're going to go all blinded, man. All right, that's good to know. Thanks, Matt. You probably saved our lives. We're going to. Man, could stop bleeding, idiot. You caught a muskie. Hello. Hello, McFly. But but anyway, oh man, that's okay. You guys gotta be excited. I I I gotta try and go for a muskie at least. Uh I gotta get one before kit by the end of next year. We gotta I gotta catch we gotta catch a muskie. How's that? Yeah. I'd be glad to take you guys thing. out. Uh, Need yeah, to yeah. schedule that. We'll we'll make it happen. We'll we've, been, we've been talking get, about fishing together for a while i know i know yeah hopefully this winter maybe we can make some ice fishing happen at the very least or something yep. oh definitely i'm uh i'm actually down to go east to catch the wipers out there because i know i know your local lakes have some wipers in them so mm -hmm. for sure yeah we'll definitely do that i'm down i'm down we'll definitely do ice fishing for sure then on that one man because uh i like fun. to go yeah as long as, as long as it's not like a few few hours away because then the kids and the wife will get oh, a little yeah. i'll get a little i'll get a little ass chewing here and there i'll just have to blame kit and then oh they don't get mad at him because he's all nice you know you know how that goes but uh oh, yeah. i get that <laughs> but other than that man you know what matt you know what i i i'm not gonna lie man i really actually learned a lot so um I, hopefully hopefully anybody listening and watching this uh they learned quite a bit in regards to at least number one how to you know handle a, a freaking muskie because i think that's really crucial because a lot of people might just catch it just on accident and you just never know um but it's 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 a fragile fish so definitely um keep keep that in mind so definitely appreciate the, the knowledge on that uh other than that man i you know what I'm, i can't wait to go fishing with you i'm excited dude all, all i know is i'm excited sure. to go musky fishing man so other than that man you got anything else kit so if people want to get a hold of you, you know, what's yep. your social media, you know, uh, you can just follow me on uh, Instagram at matt.vavrock and, or find me on Facebook. And then my YouTube is uh, fishing or Matt, <laughs> Matt Vavrock fishing. <laughs> penalty. It's past my bedtime. <laughs> penalty drink for Matt right there. Uh, <laughs> Had to think about his own YouTube channel. I know, right? <laughs> That's what I was gonna Goodness. say. It's all good though. Hey, but uh I think uh Kit will, will definitely put that. We'll we'll put it in the show notes and everything. Yeah. So anybody definitely go check out his channel. It's really entertaining. Uh you want to learn a lot about musky fishing. Uh, definitely check out Matt's channel. It's uh, pretty cool stuff, man. So other than that, man, thank you so much for just joining us. So um, like I said, we we'll, we'll, can't wait to get out there and fish with you, brother. 
Yeah, thanks, guys. Quick disclaimer: nope. the jaws behind me are not from fish that I caught. They they were dead floaters that I found. <laughs> oh. I wanted I wanted to immortalize them on my wall. Nice. So those are not those are not uh, fish that I killed. <laughs> in, in case in case somebody like look at that case bastard. Someone, <laughs> I know. In case someone one. wants to call me a hypocrite, I, yep, yep, I did yep. not kill those fish. Nice, nice. Good good disclaimer right there, Matt. Appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> Thank you guys uh, for having me. Really right. appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was fun.